righty. Happy Friday morning. May 29th, hard to believe. That is the end of May. And it's Guru and the Wiz here. And, you know, we are still anticipating that we're going to have football this year. Even though a good friend of ours, uh, Howie Z, is uh, saying that that is not going to be the case. And I don't want to speak for Wiz, but I think that makes him even more confident. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, you know, first of all, I hope everybody's safe out there. Um, We're certainly going through uh, trying times. They continue. Uh, But as we've discussed, we want to continue to prepare for the fantasy football season. And that's what we're here to do. So good morning, Wiz. How are you today? Good morning and doing pretty good. Pretty good. Optimism seems to be growing as far as uh, likelihood that there will be uh, an NFL season. Uh, I saw a quote from the Miami Dolphins owner who said he feels that there definitely will be an NFL season. Um, seems to be uh, you know, some momentum being picked up. It looks like uh, team facilities are starting to open up. and uh, it's, it's a good sign. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. As I said, um, Previously, I think a key thing for the NFL season is other sports opening up and seeing what they do that's successful, maybe a mistake here or there that they do that the NFL could correct. So uh, it appears, I mean, if uh, I had to put a wager down as far as the four majors go, it looks like basketball kind of has this thing figured out. They're at the point where maybe they're just trying to, you know, how many teams and what format and, and, uh, and that, but uh, you know, it just seems like basketball um, is is the most likely of the sports. While baseball seems to be just you know treading water, and and uh, it's never good when you're trying to get a sport back, and the owners and the players, and you know, just just are on you know such just different grounds as far as uh, how to get back. So I'm I'm hopeful for basketball, and uh, I think that'll that'll be a good sign for uh, for football as well. Yeah, and, and, and look, I'm doing my preparation uh, each and every day, the steps that I normally take this time of the year. I, I've started doing that. I'm sure you're doing the same. And, I, and I, I think we have to look forward to something, and I think this is one of the things that, that, that we are looking forward to. And, and as we've discussed many times before, there's a lot of preparation that goes into, into fantasy football. It's not something that you can just walk into – uh, into a draft at the end of August or the beginning of September and think you're going to succeed. Uh, I, I think I think that's uh, wishful thinking. But you know, one of the topics um, that we wanted to talk about today, and it's an interesting one, one that I only started doing about seven years ago when I actually joined uh, the league uh, that Wiz runs, um, and that is a keeper fantasy league. So we're going to talk a little bit about what is a keeper league? What does it mean? There are different variations of it. There, there's different terminology, and, and that's kind of what we wanted to tackle today. So, uh, you know, why don't we start there and, and just straight off the bat with uh, keeper leagues? Uh, first off, I know you're in a few of them. Uh, what's your feeling about them? How do they work? I want you to go into a little bit of a description on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm in about about half the leagues I'm in are keeper leagues in some format um there's different ways of doing it and we're gonna we're gonna touch on all of them um one is where you keep a certain amount of players from the year before at the price that you drafted them at last year and you can you know um keep uh, two three up to four players i guess some leagues even go a little bit more than that uh there's other leagues where 
they don't allow you to keep the player at the same price, uh, the price is either doubled or tripled the following year, and then, then maybe they only keep that down to a, you know a maximum of two players you could keep. And then in, even in a snake serpentine draft, I'm in a league where you know it's pretty interesting. They allow you to keep two keepers, but obviously you're not going to keep the elite guys. So the way they do it is, well, I guess you could if you're clever, but if you're clever in your drafting, is they allow you to keep one player that you drafted uh, between round six and ten, and one player that you drafted between rounds eleven and sixteen. So if you have a diamond in the rough guy that you drafted at the end or got lucky. <clears throat> which happened to me a couple of years ago. I uh, drafted Pat Mahomes and, and got him in the 13th round, and then I was able to keep him and put him in that same slot. That's the thing about this, you know snake drafts is you put the player in the same slot the following year. Uh, so if you had a 7th-round pick and a 12th-round pick, you put those players in those rounds. So there are different ways – to go about it, uh, you are only in one keeper league, and you introduced to it in our league. What was your, what was your, I guess, views on it uh, when you know the the topic was you know uh, broached to you? And now, how do you feel about it? Uh, well, yeah, no, it was interesting. I don't, I don't know why I, I never did it in any of my other leagues. But uh, first off, I, I absolutely love it. I think there is a uniqueness about it, which probably goes into some of your decision-making at your drafts because you have to make some picks maybe towards the end of a draft where you're actually thinking about next year. And, 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 and I think it depends on the league that you're in. In the particular league that we're in, we're able to keep um, the player for up to three years. And, you know, certainly sometimes that, that doesn't work out well. I, I know a few years ago I decided to uh, – I'm almost embarrassed to say this in, in a keeper league in, in, in actually that league, I, I drafted Pat Mahomes and, and decided to listen to my partner and kept Jordan Howard over uh, Pat Mahomes. So, and I, I think I've done other things where I've kept Cordaro Patterson where I thought he was going to break out. Oh my right. God. So, so strategies like that, but I absolutely love it. And I think you, you and I both know that there are times you're going to be right about those players and, and, and there has to be a thought about how that's what that's going to mean for your upcoming season. And I guess I would kind of throw it back at you. So I'm definitely a huge proponent of, of keeper leagues. Does it affect the way you think about, you know, your drafts when you go into that, knowing that you're in a keeper league and, and maybe what yeah. you're going to do during that draft? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, I, I if, you know, out of all the leagues that you could possibly have where – you know, they have these dynasty leagues where you could actually keep your entire roster from the year before, and you're kind of just drafting the rookie class like the NFL does, like in an inverted order of how you finished in the season last year. The guy who came in 12th would have the first pick of the upcoming draft. You know, so I think that's going over the top. I think you want to have the ability to have a lot of great players available in your jury draft for next year. And then the other side is just no keepers where it's just, you know, everyone's available. Out of all three options, you know, the Dynasty League, the you know, where no or, you know, Dynasty League is option one. You have no keepers is option two. Or you do what we do where you can keep four players from the year before going into next year. I, I prefer that option. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're in a league where you keep your basically entire roster, 
that's what they call it a dynasty league. So teams can have it build a dynasty. I really just don't see the enjoyment and fun in that. As far as the other way, uh, where, you know, it's fine if everyone's available and it's a complete redraft. But the reason why I, I prefer having a few keepers is because every season you're never out of it and you're always part of the league in some way, shape, or form. If you're in a league that doesn't have keepers in next year and you've had just a difficult year, a poor draft, maybe some bad trades, maybe some injuries, and you're out of it, <clears throat> come the trade deadline or whatever your trade deadline is for your league, there's really zero interest involved. But <clears throat> in a league where you're having four keepers or a few keepers, Come the trade deadline, now you could move those great elite players that maybe you have that it didn't work out because they're your, you know, your, your, the rest of your roster, your supporting cast didn't play well. <clears throat> At the trade deadline, you could move those guys and get yourself one or two elite guys at great prices for the next year. So that's why I prefer keeper leagues. It definitely keeps everybody involved. In our league, you see a lot of trades, and they're made by teams that are 10 and 2, 2 and 10, 9 and 3, 3 and 9. Everyone's involved in the league. So that that's why I prefer it. Yeah, and, and and I think so. Do you think there's any disadvantages to it? Just kind of. First of all, we, we know as a commissioner, it's a lot more work uh, for you as a commissioner to kind of from a from a bookkeeping bookkeeping standpoint. <laughs> it, it takes a lot more effort yeah. to kind of work around that. You want you you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a lot of work. But like you were talking about, it, it makes you're you're involved in the whole year. The example I just gave that even if you're out of the trade deadline, you're still part of it because you're looking to get yourself improved for next year. Also, in a keeper league, come the end of the year, you're looking at maybe picking up these guys, somebody that hasn't gotten playing time so much this year, but you think next year the the starting running back that he's the backup for is going to be a free agent, or you just think the coach hasn't used the player correctly. And next year he's going to get involved much more in the offense. So you're picking up players at the end on the waiver wire that normally in a regular league, it really wouldn't matter anything. But now you pick up a player for a dollar or two, a few dollars, and he becomes the starter or gets himself into a situation that could lend itself to him to having a really strong year. That's another aspect of it. Um, yeah, that, that, so that, 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 it's, that's actually, it's a much more involved league. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. Um, I recall something that I did two years ago. So at the time, uh, Tevin Coleman was a member of the Atlanta Falcons. This is in 2018. And he was coming to the end of his contract. Uh, it was going to be his last year as a Falcon. At the time, Devonta Freeman was still a member of the Falcons. He had just signed uh, a long-term deal. And I said to myself, there's no way this guy's going to be there. He's going to be somewhere else. So I, I paid a little bit of a premium for that player in 2018 with the potential that wherever he landed in 2019, it would be a really good opportunity for the player. Now, he ended up in San Francisco where, although he was ended up playing for the coach that, that he worked very successfully under, 
uh, it ended up being a log jam. I actually didn't end up keeping the player, but but what I'm saying is it was a strategy that went into my drafting that player in 2018, anticipating maybe what could happen the following season. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just think uh, once you involve keepers, it's much more involved. It, it, there's a lot more thought process that goes into it. Uh, no, Everybody is involved in it in some way, shape, or form, whether it's making a trade to get keepers. You're not sure who's a buyer or a seller. Those free agent pickups towards the end of the season, like we just mentioned. And I think if, you, if you're starting in a league, if you're, if you're starting a league or you've been in an existing league, that hasn't played with keepers, maybe you just want to test your waters, dip your toe in the pool, and maybe just say, okay, let's keep one player for the next year, see how that goes, see how the league likes it. You could always go back. But I just think it adds an element where if you're in a league, you just hate to see a lack of competitive balance by teams not paying attention, uh, losing interest in the league because – they're not in the keeper league. They're out of the playoff hunt. They really have nothing to, you know, to, to play for or follow, even though, you know, you would like that all teams would still pay attention. It, it just lends itself sometimes for teams to lose focus and not really pay attention. And uh, a keeper league kind of like offsets that. So, uh, you know, that's that's the type of thing that I, that I, that interests me, where there's, uh, everyone in the league, no matter what your record is, has a say uh, in that se- in, this, in the existing season and the following season. Those are the advantages of a keeper league. I think they outweigh them. I don't like the idea of keeping an entire roster on most of your players. I think that takes the fun out of the draft, which everybody loves. I, I just think a few keepers is is the perfect balance. Um, you know, in the leagues where you're not don't have any keepers have you ever like thought about bringing it up does it gotten the idea gotten shot down where where's what what's the thought process uh as far as the rest of your league you know league during goes yeah so i have a few leagues i'm in where i have a bunch of dinosaurs where they're they're not uh they're not too progressive in their mindset so very difficult to get people to move but but there are others that have kind of asked for it and i think i'm gonna in, in one of my leagues i'm gonna introduce it this year obviously it will not take effect it will have no effect on players currently on the roster, but it will be something new for this coming draft. You can't you can't go backwards. You can't allow someone to have the flexibility. So this this would start this year at this year's draft, and we're going to introduce uh, one or two keepers in that league, and I'm excited about that because that, that that changes your strategy, right, in terms of how you're going to draft. Would you agree? Like you you actually have to have some of that in the back of your head. I mean, it's not going to be something that drives you. But at the end of the draft, you, you, or even during your draft, you may make some dis- different decisions around that because knowing that there's a keeper element, it, it changes strategy just a little bit. I agree. I think it starts off at your draft, and it literally goes until the very last week of the regular season as you're looking to pick up maybe a free agent player, uh, a diamond in the rough that was mentioned, a quarterback that wasn't used, and the the starting quarterback may not sign. I think, you know, definitely the strategy and thinking about it the draft Certainly, it carries through through the season and and the trade deadline that we mentioned, and uh, and as well all the way through. So it, it brings a different element to it. It keeps everybody interested, involved in the league, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think it, it's it's a 
preferred way to go. I know some people just don't like the idea or whatever. If you're keeping two guys, there's 12 teams, there's 24 players that aren't going to be available. But I think the pros clearly outweigh the cons. Um, you know, I never really talked to you about the other ways of, of doing it, you know, a dynasty league where you can keep existing rosters or most of your rosters and basically you're just drafting rookies like the NFL does. Would you ever be interested in a league like that? Me personally, no. It just, to me, it's just, I, I don't know. That it, It's just a little bit too harsh in my opinion. I, I like a balance. That's my, that's, that. you're asking me that right now and, and off the cuff, my answer would be no. I wouldn't really be too interested in that. Nah, neither, neither would I. I mean, I think, like you said, I think you used the right word, balance. Uh, and the balance of, you know, still it being fun, exciting, and the draft meaning something. And then also being rewarded for something you did at last year's draft. I mean, if you had the, uh, you know, insight to draft uh, a player who, you know, wasn't thought of highly, and now he's a top 10 or 15 player at the position, and you have him for a dollar or two, I, you know, it's it's a, it's it's a great way of being rewarded for having some good insights at a draft. And that's, you know, another element that, uh, you know, that you you really like, and uh, and uh, you want to be rewarded for, for doing homework and, and being right about a player. Listen, we're going to take enough swings, and we're going to miss, but the hits – you know, shouldn't matter. It should count for something. So the keeper league, um, where you keep a few guys from the year before, is I think <clears throat> the preferred method, at least in my opinion. And it, you know, it, it really uh, makes it makes it more fun. And uh, you know, th- that's the thing. You know, everybody get out there can, you know, draft uh, the Christian McCaffreys of the world and have them, or Ezekiel Elliott's and those type of players, and you have them. But like, you know. The the interesting guys are some of these guys that, you know, they're kind of cloudy in their projections one year, and then things work out perfectly, and then you have a, a really good situation the next year, and being rewarded for that, I think, uh, is, is, is really a good thing for a league. You know, I just think overall it, it, it makes the league more interesting. Yeah, I think, you, you know, it, it is a pride and bragging right thing, right? Like, you know, if you were that guy, you know, we had a guy last year, like you look at coming into this year, end of the draft, he t- actually the, the player came into the season injured. He decides to draft Drew Locke. Drew Locke misses the first 10 weeks. He's got that player for $1 coming into this season in, a, in an auction league. They've given him all these weapons. You know, that guy's, uh, call, you know, calls uh, beaming about that this year. So, you know, things like that are really cool. And I think the other thing that you touched upon, and this is really critical, the, the season is 16 or 17 weeks long, okay? So you got to pay attention all the way to the end. We, we, we've talked about the draft aspect, but, but Wiz made a very good point here. This is about paying attention during the season because some of those players that you pick up for dirt cheap on a waiver wire, uh, like a Raheem Mostert last year, there are guys that you know picked him up for nothing on the waiver wire last year, and they have the ability to keep that player this year. So paying attention all the way to the end, there are guys that pop up at the end of the year. They're given opportunities because of injury, and you know who knows that could end up being like a Wally Pip thing for for our youngsters out there. Wally Pip was the player that was replaced by Lou Gehrig, a famous, uh, 19, uh, famous member of the 1920s and 30s Yankees, uh, who took over for an injury. And when a guy goes down with an injury, someone can come in and all of a sudden show the coach, hey, look, look at me. And, and next year, that player could be touted as a starter on that team. So you want to pay attention all year long. 
Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> it, it really, it, you know, it, it, in season content as well uh, as preparation for the draft and and trade deadline and 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 pickups at the end of the year. It all it, it all manifests. I think into a you know a more interesting league. Uh, I know most leagues don't have keeper leagues, but you know, like I said, if your if your league has been in existence for a while and you have it, maybe you just want to start off and do a you know one or two keepers and see if your league likes it as far as price goes. I'm in a league where um, you can't keep the player at the same price from the year before. But you can keep the player at three times the price. So if you had the dollar player, he'll be three. A five dollar player, fifteen, and, and so on. So you know, I, I guess there's inflation uh, to keep the player. But at least you know it it adds an element of interest uh, for the following year. And I think you know it's always something to look at. And uh, I know in our league, we're <laughs> it's, it's 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 starting back in March. We've had guys like post who their keepers are going to be, and other guys taunt them and and make fun of them so I, I think you know it's something that's thought about all year long and um it's it's just something that's different and uh, especially if you're in a, if you're in a several leagues if you're in several leagues try being in a keeper league in one league just one league either whether it's your league and you're running it and you want to introduce it or find out about a keeper league. I think if you're in several leagues, to be in a keeper league, at least one of them, to have a really good judgment, um, you know, of what, of what you think of it is, is, is really a good idea. So especially if you're in several leagues, try and get into a keeper league in one of them. And, uh, yeah, add a little and, spice. And, add a little spice. Add a little spice, a little difference to it. See see what you like, see the pros and cons of it. And like I said, if, you know, you could always go back or you could always say, you know, I'm not interested in that league. But, you know, I think more than likely you, you, you'll find it very interesting and, uh, and, um, and, and it adds, uh, you know, a, a, nice, a nice element to, uh, to your league. So well, what's, uh, what's normally your tenure in terms of uh, years of service, how long you're able to keep that player? Does it vary between I say- think I think, you know, I think most leagues at this point do it. You know, you draft a player, you can keep them one year okay. the following year. Or you draft a player, you could keep them for two more years. I think after that, you start getting into the area of what's known as dynasty leagues, and you could keep many more years and many more players. I think a keeper league is probably you draft a player, you have them that year, and that player can be kept for one or two more years following the year you drafted him. So I guess, in essence, you could have the player up for three years, the year you drafted him, and two following years as well. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. Last year we saw this happen in, in the league that we're talking about, that we play with four keepers. But we had teams trying to figure out if they were buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. They didn't, you know, we had a, a parity-ridden league. It was a big race for the playoffs. And, and, and we had teams that were going back and forth saying, I don't know if I'm a buyer or a seller here. But, you know, at the end of the day, it does affect things. And, 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 and Wiz, the last thing I want to ask you, can there be some emotions or some issues around trades at the end of the year when, when people maybe are trying trying to clean house a little bit and they get rid of a couple of keepers, you know, what's your kind of view on that? Cause I obviously not, not all leagues are sophisticated around trades. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, I would say, I would say probably nine out of 10 leagues 
all trades go through. Uh, two teams make a trade, they all go through. Maybe in the other 10% you have where, you know, the commissioner himself can review a trade and either he can, like, make a judgment call or he could say, okay, this one I'm not so sure about. You know, we're going to have the league vote on it. Or you do something that our league does, which no other league does that I know of. And I know I'm in a lot of leagues, and I know a lot of people who are in a lot of leagues, and, and nobody does this. In our league, every trade is voted by every GM in the league. And as long as, you know, the other 10 teams, uh, as long as, you know, five teams uh, don't have a problem with it, the trade goes through. Um, I think, you know, you're in a league and you want to have competitive balance and, you know, you want to look at trades and say, okay, yeah, I don't really have a problem with it. But if somebody is really getting annihilated in the trade uh, and the majority of the league feels that someone's getting annihilated in the league. You know, you don't want competitive balance to be hurt. So that trade can be reworked under those circumstances. But yeah, I mean, it could get emotional and it's an odd circumstance, right? There's no perfect way to do it because, yeah, okay, so most leagues, all trades go through. And then, you know, if you see a real... What what the majority of the league feels is an, an, an imbalanced trade. There's nothing you can do about it. But even you know everyone voting on the trade like we do is is kind of like what if the Red Sox made a trade with the Indians and then you have the Yankees voting on it. I mean, it, there's also you know an element of okay, yeah, it's 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 not perfect either. You're just trying to do what you think is in the best interest of the league the fairest element of, of, of how you should look at a trade. And you look, you just want everyone to look at the trade objectively, fairly, and not what's in best interest of their own team, how it's going to affect their team, just in the best interest of the league. That's what you try and do. That's what we've decided on. This is the only league that I'm in where trades get voted on. Every other trade, every other league trades go through. So similar with keepers, try being in one league where where a league votes on trades and see and see how it goes. Well, what do you think about that? I know you run a league. Uh, is there pressure on you at all to like if it's a if a trade that's imbalanced for you to say something? Or even in that situation, the league has decided all the trades go through. So how do you work it, and what's your view on how trade should be looked at? Yeah, every once in a while. Look, I think trades should be looked at. I think a commissioner should. If you're gonna, someone has to have a say in it, or, or maybe a little trading board where it's comprised of three teams. But I think some most leagues look. It's it's fine. All trades look pretty good. Uh, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, some strange trades get made where. I'll never forget. I made a trade where I picked up Danny Woodhead and Pierre Garcon for um, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew back in the day, and all kinds of craziness went on. It was a league where we didn't vote on it, and people were calling me nuts for making that trade. Uh, I ended up winning the championship that year, uh, but um, you know, sometimes you got to make some bold moves. But yeah, generally speaking, I think you you uh, having some element where trades are voted on. I, I like that. I do. I do. 
I really do. You can't just allow complete chaos. And I, I, I normally don't have an issue, um, but the, some of those other leagues are not as active trading leagues because the rosters aren't as deep and the waiver wires are deeper, so it's not as uh, big a deal. I think in a league that we're in that's super competitive, uh, you know, you need to, some, some modem of uh, operation that, that works for everyone, and I think voting on trades is a good one. So, yeah. And uh, like, you know, like we were talking about, I, I do love keeper leagues. I think everybody should think about them. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, we're going to continue to put material out here. Uh, I don't know if you have any final thoughts, Wiz, uh, before we sign off. But um, No, uh, hopefully over the weekend uh, we're going to put a really fun one out there. I'm looking forward to it about auction draft strategies and uh, how you think about them and, uh, and different elements that go into an auction draft because uh, an auction draft is a lot more than just – looking at players and thinking about the players you want to get. There's an entire, entirely other side to it that we're going to talk about. That's going to be a fun one, I think. Hopefully, we're going to try and do it on Sunday. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think we, we covered everything as far as keeper leagues go. And uh, and um, I think, like, you know, we've both been saying, you know, if, if you're in a few leagues, try being in one keeper league and, uh, and see how your league likes it. Mm, yep. Yeah, I totally agree. So I just want to remind everybody, uh, Guru and the Wiz, we are on uh, iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, and uh, we still want to hear what you guys uh, are, are looking to talk about. Uh, Guru and Wiz at gmail.com uh, for any suggestions that you have. But this has been a fun discussion. I look forward to uh, Sunday's chat, and I wish everybody a good Friday. Thanks a lot, Take Wiz. Care. Yep.